Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you may be. It's Saturday morning here as usual. I'm going to try to get a podcast in. I have three sleeping dogs behind me who are going to probably uh, be yawning and snoring behind me as I go. Again, my goal this summer is to try to find a room that I can set up my podcast in without the background noise. It's tough. When I first started doing this, I had a crappy microphone, so basically it didn't pick up anything but what was right in front of it. Now I've got the new Yeti, which is fantastic, and I've been playing around with the sound on and everything. However, it's much more sensitive, so right now I have my computer desk turned so it's facing the wall of my living room so that hopefully it's picking up my voice more than maybe the other sounds around me. So it's made it a little more stressful. Again, I apologize. I'm not going to cut out all the dogs snoring this time around, so if you're driving in your car using earphones, hopefully you find it to be, I don't know, inviting hearing a dog snoring in the background, but it's it gets to the point sometimes where I spend so much time trying to cut out the doggy noises that I forget what I'm talking about and lose my train of thought. So just one of the little, you know, things, a little logistical things you don't think of when you start doing a podcast that, you know, when I was originally just narrating videos and such, the videos weren't particularly long. So I could get in five minutes, 10 minutes of silence and get them done and have them sound good. Wherein with the podcast, it's usually at least 30 minutes of uninterrupted time I need, if not more. Some of them go 40, 45. So that can be a little bit trickier. So what'll happen is I'll, I'll wake the dogs up. I'll be petting them. Hey guys, I'm going to do a podcast now. Try not to snore. And then for a few minutes while they settle down, they're fine. And then as soon as they go to sleep, they start snoring. Lily's the worst. She's, uh, I think, uh, probably close to 14 or 15 year old uh, pit bull cross. Looks like pit bull bulldog. They're all mutts anyway. They just breed the poor things to try to get the big heads and love the girl. One of the most cuddly dogs in the world, but my gosh, is she a loud sleeper. Like in the middle of the night, sometimes you think a helicopter's going by and it's just her choppy snoring. So anyway, what we are going to talk about today is, well, to kick this one off, I, I had an, not a incident. It's been kind of popping up more and more lately. And it, I don't want to use the word irritating, but it's a little irritating that people will come on as a dog snores in the background. People will come on my YouTube videos and it'll be a species of tarantula that's, you know, usually an old world and talk about them being aggressive. Now, I think everybody's probably knows where this one's going, but a lot of folks, uh, those of us who keep tarantulas and keep especially, you know, the old world species, we really kind of cringe when people use the word aggressive. And I think part of the the main issue is we spend a lot of time trying to convince people that the tarantulas aren't vicious, little eight-legged hairy monsters. They're going to try to kill you because there's a, a ton of misinformation out there about them. Heck, the whole, you know, me starting Tom's Big Spiders all came about from just trying to dispel some of that misinformation, whether it be care and husbandry or just, you know, attitudes and behaviors and temperaments. So I think the problem we have is when you use the word aggressive, there's a negative connotation to it. So, and I've I've been privy to and taken part in conversations where people have gotten into a, you know, an argument over the fact when somebody says something's aggressive and, you know, usually people jump on immediately and go, no, there's no aggressive tarantulas, they're defensive. And then it turns out, well, mine came at me when I opened the enclosure and turns into a big debate. But I think the problem is if you look at what aggressive means, it's hostile or violent behavior and, and it's usually initiated without provocation. I think that's the big thing. So let's take the difference between a person being aggressive or defensive. Defensive, I am walking with Billy and somebody comes up and starts following us and then comes up and makes a comment to Billy or myself or maybe shoves us. And again, this is, I'm just throwing something out there. And I feel like Billy and I are in danger. If I lash out at that point, I am being defensive. I'm 
defending myself. You know, this isn't a situation where and we're not going to do a situation where, you know, I have a disagreement with somebody. We're talking about somebody is putting myself, my wife, in a situation where we feel uncomfortable and then I am basically defending. Maybe they try to grab my wallet or they do, I don't know, anything of that name. But we're talking about a situation where I'm being provoked first. Aggressive is I'm walking in, somebody, you know, bumps into me and I turn around, come right out. Hey, man, you want to throw down? You want to do this right now? That's more of an aggressive. That's I'm kind of provoking this thing. You know, they might be saying, oh, excuse me, I'm, I'm totally sorry. I didn't mean to do it. But I'm coming at them the wrong way. There's not really a provocation. I think that's the big difference between the two. I don't know. This might have been the worst analogy ever, but I try to think of it in terms of people. And we've all met you know, you know people that are defensive, but you think of self-defense. That's the way I think about it with the spider. Self-defense. They're going to be in a situation where they feel like they're being threatened. And so are they going to act aggressively, hostily? Yes, they are. And I think that's important. And that's usually where sometimes the breakdown in this argument happens is where people are like, well, they're hostile, they're violent. Well, they can be. They're, they need to defend themselves. And that usually, with especially with old world species, is going to involve violent means. They are going to try to use their fangs to and their venom to defend themselves. That's totally natural. However, they're not doing it without provocation. They're being provoked. And we're going to talk about some of the ways we accidentally provoke tarantulas sometimes in just the way we set them up. So I think that's the definition we need to think about when we go into this discussion is that when you talk about something being aggressive, it's initiating that violence. It's initiating that hostility and that behavior without necessarily having any provocation, any uh, preceding event to cause that type of behavior. Where when we talk about defensive, we're talking about somebody that is defending themselves. Think about the root of it. In my example with myself and Billy, we are not, we're minding our own business. Somebody is coming up and putting us in what we feel like is danger. So therefore, if I lash out or use any type of physical violence, and it's not something I'm doing, but I'm just trying to throw it out there, that's a defensive response as opposed to some guy brushes against me and I turn around and get up in his face, you touch me, you want some of this, that's aggressive. So let's, let's think about it in terms of that. But anyway, the root of this, what happened is I was on my page and somebody was talking about one of, uh, I think it was Akilo Brockies, it was an older video. And they were talking about, yeah, you got to watch out for those guys. They are nasty. They are super aggressive. Uh, man, you're crazy. I can't believe you keep one. And it was kind of just a whole big thing about how nasty they are. So I came back with my, actually, I've had absolutely no problems with any of my Kilobrocky species. I've had Discalis. I have uh, Guangxiensis. I have species Electric Blues. I have really no Kilobrockies Fimbriatus. I have no issues with them. They're not defensive at all. So I tried to explain that, you know, I, I don't know, maybe it's the way I keep them, whatever. I really don't have any issues. And I also took umbrage to the fact that they use the word aggressive. They said, these guys are really aggressive. And I said, nah, I don't really refer to spiders as being aggressive. And I went through kind of this big long spiel about why I, I don't consider them aggressive. And then this person ended up pointing out some other videos they had seen in another YouTube channel where the spider was going nuts. It was going crazy. So I, I asked for links. I go, can you do me a favor? Give me some links to these. I go, I'd love to watch the, the said videos you're seeing and, and just kind of for my own gratification, see what's going on. Are they, I, I won't say kept correctly, but are they kept the same way I kept, keep mine? With Kilobrocky species, you're talking about Asian species. They're going to want deep moist substrate, you know, they're, they're reclusive if, but, uh, they can web, they can be heavy webbers. Even if you give them deep substrate, a lot of them will web on top. If you don't give them a lot of substrate and give them shallow substrate, they're going to basically web themselves up some tunnels. They're going to web themselves up some cover, but 
Overall, I found that if you give them enough room, and that's the, the key with the majority of the tarantulas, I'd say just about everything. If you give them enough room that, that they can build their surroundings, they can build their burrows, their dirt curtains, their web hammocks, whatever they may need, then you're generally going to have a calmer spider when you eventually have to open up that enclosure. So after a bit of back and forth, you know, I got some links to some of the videos he pointed out. And I watched the videos and immediately it became clear that in this instance, and again, I don't like talking about right or wrong. I try not to be black and white. However, I'm going to go out on a limb and say in this one, he, the individual had Kilobrachi species in very small enclosures. They had webbed all the way up to the top. There wasn't any room for them to, to hide. They didn't appear to be hides in it. There was like water dish, which was good. But a very small Spartan enclosure that would definitely encourage a defensive old world tarantula to be a little bit more prone to striking out and bolting. So I tried to explain to the person I was, and I was, again, it, I get put in spots sometimes because I don't bother. I don't worry about other people and what they're doing with their tarantulas unless they come to me. I don't go out on the internet and look up pictures on Facebook or go to other people's YouTube videos and go, hey, that's really nice. By the way, though, you should be keeping it like this. That's not what I do. If people come see me, that's fine. I, if they ask for suggestions, I will give them suggestions and tell them they're just suggestions. But I don't actively go out and hunt for people to, you know, pick apart or f tell them they're doing something wrong. There are different ways of keeping. I've established that a long time ago that I'm not here to basically go, these are the set rules of tarantula keeping. That's not what it's about. But what ends up happening is people will keep their tarantulas a certain way. People will respect these keepers. They will see their videos. They will see these spiders kept in smaller cages, assume that this is the norm. They will see these spiders kept in smaller cages, acting out, threat posing, slapping at anything that comes near them. And now they're thinking this is an aggressive tarantula. And that bothers me a little bit, only because I spent a lot of time trying to diffuse some of those rumors around these animals, the fact that they're so vicious. Even the old worlds, I think, get a bad rep sometimes. You know, I think of Pisolotheria species. I love Pisolotheria. But I can't tell you how many little arguments I get in. Usually, you know, a couple times a month, somebody will come on. Yeah, but unfortunately, they're vicious and blah, blah, blah. And I have to try to dispel that. So that bothers me a bit because that's counterproductive to the message I'm trying to send. And again, I'm not trying to make people think that tarantulas, you know, defensive old worlds aren't potentially dangerous. They are. You can't discount that fact. They will use fangs. They don't have eradicating hairs. If they get spooked and feel threatened and cornered, and think about it, if you put a six-inch spider that used to burrowing in maybe a 10 by 8 inch enclosure which is a little bit of substrate you open the top of that enclosure you are suddenly right on that animal that is that enclosure itself becomes the burrow and I've explained this a couple times in different podcasts and videos that when you give them a smaller area that's fine you can give the spider a smaller area but that entire enclosure is now its burrow it's not like when like say I have a tub that's uh, 14 inches deep you know with you know 10 inches of substrate in it that the spider can get down beneath the surface and hide in that burrow. In that case, the container itself isn't the actual burrow. The burrow is the burrow. But if you don't give them a lot of substrate, that creates a situation where it, the actual enclosure itself becomes a burrow. So every time you rip the top off that enclosure, and I've used this analogy before, it's like you're sitting in bed, you're cozy, you just had a good meal, you know, maybe you're watching your shows, you go to sleep, and all of a sudden the roof of your house comes flying off. You are going to freak the heck out. Now, most of us would bolt, and that's usually what tarantulas try to do. But 
If the tarantula doesn't have a place to bolt to because it doesn't have enough substrate and it doesn't have a hide and it doesn't have an adequate burrow, then guess what it's going to do? It's going to go, all right, this is it. This is our Alamo. I'm standing my ground and I'm going to use my fangs. So that's where you get a situation like that. So when keepers, when when you have situations where keepers are, you know, showing their stuff, videotaping their stuff, they're putting it up on YouTube and they keep it differently than me, that's fine. And I'm never going to argue that. Where it starts to become an issue is when people come back to my channel and start second guessing what I'm doing because of it. So, or basically arguing with me over the fact that I do not find these guys to be aggressive. And when they use their, the sole evidence for their articles, uh, their arguments for them being aggressive is footage from another tarantula keeper who is keeping them what I would say in very cramped quarters and creating that aggressive attitude. Then I'm kind of forced to kind of, to stand up for myself and kind of point out some of the things. So unfortunately what has happened several times now is I've gone and explained my side and said, well, listen, I keep that same species. One of them, it was Akila Brocky's discless, which I have kept before, and mine was actually very, very laid back, but it always had a burrow. And I explained, well, listen, the other individual has the Keelobrachis discless in only a few inches of substrate. It is webbed the whole top of the enclosure up. So every time that web is like an extension of their hairs as far as a sense organ, every time something comes in, a wind blows, a, a tiny prey item crosses that those threads, those silky threads, that's like a signal to the tarantula that it's, you know, there's something there. Now imagine you all of a sudden rip the top off that. Now the air pressure in that container completely changes. There's airflow from everywhere. That has got to be completely overwhelming for them. So when you have the smaller enclosure without a lot of room to burrow and they create that web on top, that's going to create a situation where every time you pull the top off, the tarantula is going to be on high alert and it's going to be, again, defensive, not aggressive. You are provoking it by ripping the top off its enclosure. That needs to be understood that that is a, a, a provocation. Now, I will compare it to the way I keep mine and I'll just say, all right, I keep mine differently. I'm not saying I keep it better because I know there are people out there that want to see their old worlds and they keep them in less substrate. So then you get some of the beautiful webbing and you get to see your animal more. I get that. I've already done a podcast on my thoughts on that one. I choose not to do it. I would rather just see them once in a while and know they're comfortable and secure. So I went over and I said, look at my discless. I have, it has a burrow. It's able to hide in the burrow. When I opened the enclosure, the animal immediately retreats to the burrow. Notice, and I showed a clips from one of my videos of my discless. She wasn't slapping. There was no threat pose. There was nothing. She's been a sweetheart. So I said, look at, there's a difference here. And the guy just basically used my argument against me where he goes, well, I guess different specimens have different temperaments and yours is very laid back, but his is aggressive. And it drove me nuts because, again, part of the hobby is observing, is, you know, getting information, weeding through cruddy and crummy information and looking at stuff that you see and trying to figure out how does it work in the grand scheme of things. This is one of the reasons I love doing the videos and the podcast because I get information back as well. This is, I know everybody thanks me all the time for doing the podcast podcasts and videos, but guys, I got to tell you, it, it works for me as well because you guys give me a lot of information because I put something up there. For example, I recently did something on my Eulathus. Uh, I'm never going to get over that. My homeoma chalensis and noticed some things that I you know, observed with mine and several people have come back and reinforced what I've seen. So now it's not just my word. And my single observation is being supported by other keepers. So it's no longer just an experiment with only, you know, 
one person. It's an experiment with the entire community, which is, again, I've, I've said before, I love doing this stuff and going public with it because I get stuff back. It's it, I'm, I'm totally selfish that way. So, I, again, with the, the, this topic, the thing that gets to me is when I have to try to explain. It puts me in a bad spot because now I'm left in a situation where – I don't want to say the keeper's wrong for keeping it the way he or she does because it's it's I don't think it's really that cut and dry, but I do want to defend this the tarantulas and be like, you know what, you know, they're not aggressive. It's because of the husbandry. So it's gotten tricky because it's happened quite a bit lately. And I think there's a couple popular ones out there that keep them in, in part of the sensationalism of what they're producing as far as YouTube is spiders that are angry and upset. And what's happening is this is great because they're pulling in a lot of people that are watching these videos and going, oh man, these are cool. These are all, oh, look at that spider's nasty. But then there's the nasty part. That's the part that gets to me because now they're walking away with these unrealistic views of how you know ag- aggressive or defensive a tarantula can be where it comes down to husbandry. So now what do you do? How do you combat that? How do you go, all right, you know what? I understand you've seen this. I understand this individual is popular, but that's not what the, they don't need to be like that. There's ways you can keep them that they're not like that because then what I get is, well, look at you. You only got you know this many subscribers. What are you talking about? You don't know what you're talking about. This guy obviously knows what he's talking about. So it's gotten difficult lately because of the popularity of some of these channels. And again, I've gone into the YouTube channel thing before and did a whole podcast on what the good points of YouTube's channels. And the good points, again, are many. They are bringing a lot of people into the hobby. A lot of these people are, even with these videos, are taking away some of the fear that comes with tarantulas. Even with the ones where they're, the tarantulas are acting out and slapping and looking really nasty and bolting from their enclosures, which I don't think should happen under most circumstances. If you're a responsible tarantula keeper, they, should, they shouldn't be out on your table all the time or falling off your table. Again, personal... Personal belief there, but it's you want to show people the right way to do things, that they shouldn't have to be all over your table, and they shouldn't bolt every time you do rehousing. But anyway, I do think they pull people in and get people interested, and as I've stated before, a lot of these people, once they get really deep into the hobby and start looking for information, like, all right, now I got a spider, I don't know what the heck to really do with it, then I start attracting those folks that are into the hobby. It's not just a passing, you know, oh, look at weird, creepy spider. It's people that are like, I want to keep tarantulas I want to keep them right they tend to gravitate toward my channel eventually which is exactly the way I like it let them filter out the people that don't really have an interest in I'm totally fine with that but then we have the downside of it where sometimes the stuff that they're showing is not it's done for the camera I think it's it gets a rise out of people it's you know we talked about I think before I use the analogy of people that watch hockey and you know I had a buddy that used to watch hockey and his big thing was he just liked the fights I don't even think he really liked the sport he was looking for the train wreck that's that's the sensationalism that's the part that gets YouTube views that's the part that gets people going man I love this channel this woman's tarantulas are all over the place and they're nasty and they're mean and somebody go oh really nasty tarantulas I want to check that out but unfortunately it leaves it makes a difficult for those of us who are trying to show the proper way to keep them and trying to present these animals in a correct light because now they've seen evidence to the contrary of what we're saying. So I say, no, I really don't think they have to be defensive. And then I find myself in a position where I'm having to try to 
explain that I've been doing this for a while. I've kept like, I'll be like, oh, I had one guy, I felt like such a jerk because I was trying to explain to him, listen, I know what I'm doing. I've kept these guys for a long time. I have a a blog. I have a podcast. I do YouTube. And his response was, well, aren't you special? Like, I wasn't doing that to brag. I was just trying to explain. I know what I'm talking about. But they see these on these very popular channels. And then they assume that if the person's popular, then it means they're correct. And I think that's the problem where the root lies with some of this is that popularity, especially when YouTube is concerned, does not equate correctness does not equate good husbandry always not saying that the popular guys don't have good husbandry. I don't want this misconstrued I don't want any of what I'm saying right now to be seen as me bashing and just kind of explaining one of my frustrations it's popped up recently with some of the things I've seen and as it pertains to people thinking tarantulas are aggressive I think people look at how many views you have they look at how many subscribers you have and then they use that as the measure of how legitimate you are so I just watched a video the other day from the Tarantula Collective that was beautifully done. I believe it was Pure Nada. And just a wonderfully produced video, good notes, good husbandry. The guy's got a darn good voice for narration. And Richard, just fantastic job there. And I was like floored with the quality of the video. Now, if you looked at how many subscribers he's got compared to some of these other guys, you go, oh, well, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And people are going to ignore him. And that's 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 the problem with YouTube. That's the problem with having anybody be able to put a channel up there. I mean, it's got its, everything's got its good side and its bad side. The bad side is anybody can put something up there and the people that are more entertaining, get more of the subscribers are the ones that are seen as more legitimate than the ones that might only have 3000 subscribers, but their information is right on point. And that's kind of unfortunate because I've seen a lot of new channels popping up where the people obviously have been in the hobby for a while and have just decided to come forward and start doing the YouTube videos. And they've got great information, but that's going to get overlooked sometimes. So that's part of the problem I'm having is that people are seeing these, they're coming into the hobby. They're being brought into the hobby by these cool, you know, there's always something going on. They're well edited. They're charismatic people and they're and they're good keepers. Don't I don't want to get into a discussion about whether or not they're doing something different than me, but I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just going to lead to a different outcome as far as the temperaments of the spiders. So this isn't about bashing anybody else, but it's showing how that can become frustrating as these guys come in and trickle down. And then they go, oh, I've heard about this Tom's Big Spiders guy everybody's talking about. And I'll tell you, that must be the biggest letdown coming from some of these other people when they get to my page. Like, what is this? This dude's just like talking the entire time. But I think the people that appreciate what I do, they get that I'm trying to get as much information in there as possible. Those are like little mini lessons to me. And I'm trying to, I figure, you know, I talk quick, but people can go back and rewind. And I've had people tell me, man, I've watched this video like five times trying to get all the points, everything, which is great. But I think entertainment wise, you know, I think some people find us, you know, Billy and I funny at times, but we're not really going for, it's not about Billy and I, it's about the animals. It's like, she's guy lover and she's there to hold the help me with the camera work because I can't do it myself safely she's my second set of eyes you know I've mentioned before she drops the camera if anything goes wrong I need an extra set of hands the video's done I don't care it's not that important to me what's important to me is that everybody in the house is safe including the spiders but it's not about Billy and I so I think people come to us a little bit drier but I think the people that come to us are also more serious about the hobby usually. However, we do get those people that they're branching out and they're like, hey, I just watched, you know, this channel and this channel and this channel. They're a funnel of them, any other channels. And people go, oh, yeah, check out Tom's Big Spiders. And then they come to me and they're like, what? This Nobody's nobody's bite getting bit. There's no spiders on the ceiling. I have to do a trailer for my channel. And I'm trying to figure out a way to do a kind of tongue in cheek and joke about the fact that I don't do any of that stuff. I don't have clickbaity, you know, 
topics or titles in my videos. I refuse to do that. And I want to do something, but I don't want people to think I'm making fun of them. I'm kind of making fun of myself because I'm a little more dry and, and boring. But back to the defensive stuff, and I feel like this just blew up into something totally different, but I, it, I, it's nice. It feels good to just kind of get some of the frustrations out with it. So anyway, this has happened now four times in the last month with people talking about species being aggressive and me going into my not aggressive thing and then trying to tactfully explain that the reason why other people are seeing more of this quote unquote aggressive behavior is because of the way they keep them. And then them coming back and going, oh, so you're saying they keep them wrong. And I'm saying, no, they keep them differently, but different types of enclosures and different types of setups with different types of spiders can lead to different temperaments. So I did have one person, God bless her, it just made my day where she pointed out a couple of the videos she had watched and I commented and I said, this is just how I do things differently and it's because of this, this, and this, and this is, and explained, I don't have aggressive spiders because in this video right here, you can see she can hide right into her burrow, that sort of thing, and she got it and she's like, wow, I never really thought of it that way, that's really interesting and it makes a lot of sense and even came back to report, yeah, I found another one where they were complaining something was really aggressive and I pointed them to your video and said, well, he keeps them this way that made me feel so good because now I don't have to go out and be a jerk and go, all right, hey, you know, if you kept them this way, it'd be easier. I guess the person she talked to was appreciative because they had learned how to keep them through somebody else and thought that you could keep them on shallow substrate and come to find out they liked the burrow. And that's what I like. That's the spreading of good information. That's people helping other people out without having to get confrontational because I don't think it needs to be, a, you know, a confrontation every single time. And it means that another person out there is going to have better luck with their spiders because I think a lot of people don't pick up old worlds because all they've heard and and now in many respects, those that come from via YouTube, all they've seen is these really angry, nasty tarantulas that just want to kill you. That's what it comes across as. They don't, they're not reading it as a startled, scared animal. They're reading it as an animal that is trying to eat your face. I've had somebody come on to my OBT one and I have the video up there where I went to go feed my OBT and like a ding dong, I was going to try to record it. And the OBT actually bypassed the cricket and came kind of at me. That was actually a feeding response. That wasn't an animal trying to hurt me. It wasn't even defensive, but I had people that misconstrued that video like, look at that, it's vicious. It's going to try to get you. No, it, it knew a cricket was in there. It just didn't know where the cricket was. I was breathing on the web. So it came up and out. That had nothing to do with an animal being aggressive or even defensive. That's a feeding response. And that's another thing. I think sometimes people misconstrue the feeding responses as aggressive or defensive behavior. I've seen like the the watering things are becoming really popular now where people do videos where they water their tarantulas. Uh, whatever, whatever floats people's boat. I, I, it's not my thing. I, I, I love watering them. Don't get me wrong, but I just, I feeding videos, yes. Watering videos, not my thing. But I guess the big thing is a lot of times they go to water them and the tarantulas attack the water. And they're like, oh, look at how vicious they are. And Billy and I were laughing the other day because when I do feedings, I take the tarantulas out. I feed them first. And this is a trick I learned from snakes, and it works pretty well with tarantulas as well. If they have something in their mouth to occupy them and they're away from you, they're too worried with that. They're not going to worry about you fussing with the water dish. So with my snakes, so I had a couple of them that were a little bitey. I had a Maclots python named Hot Lips that she was <laughs> – you know, I'll say flat, she was aggressive. She didn't need any provocation. She had a hide. She would come right out of that hide and go at you. And one of the things I would do is feed her. And while she was wrapping up the thing, then I'd do all the maintenance in her enclosure. So I was safe. I do the same thing when I feed my carpet python. I will feed her a big old juicy rat. While she's wrapping up the rat, I go and do some, you know, stuff in there. Works with my spiders as well. So I'll take the spiders. I'll drop a bunch of crickets in, let them do the little Benny Hill thing, chase the crickets as they're webbing them up. Then I go in and take the water dish out. I clean it out. I replace it if need be, fill it with fresh water. 
we don't get any attacks. We don't get any slapping. We really don't get any threat poses. So Billy and I were laughing the other day because we must refilled, I don't know, probably 40 water dishes and never had a single one slap. And I'm like, man, I guess I can't do one of those water dish videos because I'm getting nothing out of it. So again, I think that comes down to space. I think it comes down to being smart when you work with your animals. I mean, if you're worried about your animals, you know, lashing out at you, and here are some precautions you can take. Give them more room. If you've got an OBT, instead of a lot of the old YouTube videos, and I've brought this up before when I talk about OBT husbandry, you see a lot of them are in just the little flat shoe boxes, and the they don't have a lot of substrate. The OBT is going to want to hide. A lot of them will burrow. You can keep them uh, semi-arboreally. Works great. A lot of people have been doing that because it gives you more depth to the box, which means they have more room to feel secure. I haven't had any trouble with mine. I've talked to several people that same situation. They keep their give them extra room they don't have the aggressive quote unquote aggressive animals that people report so that's something you can do right off the bat if you have a high strong potentially defensive spider give them more room give them more substrate give them a starter burrow encouraging that burrow burrowing behavior uh, obviously we want to see our spiders but part of responsible spider ownership is recognizing what their needs are and putting their needs first so i have species that i don't see all that often for example you have the cobalt blue the h lividus c lividus i can never remember if it moved back or whatever i think it's still c lividus they are technically, I have a lot of people like, oh my God, they're gorgeous, they're beautiful, they're blue. Well, if kept correctly, you're not going to see them all that much usually because they're going to burrow and they're going to stay in the burrows. So part of the problem I think is that people want to see their spiders so they give them less substrate but then that's where you're going to get that defensive behavior. So I think if you're worried about, if you're keeping an old world and you're worried about it being more defensive, then the trick is give it some extra room. Again, we've already talked about the fact I've had people that say they want to get puncture-proof gloves and tongs and shields when they go to feed them because they're afraid they're going to bolt out of the enclosures. If you give them a little extra room, that gives you more room to work so you can feel more secure, but the spider's also going to feel more secure, which means it's probably going to retreat to its burrow or hide rather than come out and try to, quote-unquote, attack you. We're using quote-unquote a lot today. Nobody's doing a drinking game with this one so that's one thing you can do another thing i've already mentioned when you do your feedings and waterings that seems to be another thing i've had people like yeah i don't even open the enclosure i got one of these spray bottles and i just kind of squirt it through the the ventilation slats and try to hit the water dish it's so nasty that's probably a spider that needs a little bit more room or what you can try doing like i mentioned earlier feed it first drop in a bunch of crickets let it go crazy let it catch the crickets what'll happen is it'll go up in that you know it's tiptoes start webbing them up and as long as it's at the opposite side of the water dish then you can pluck your water dish out or do your water dish i have no problems with this whatsoever and again billy and i we go on these long walks i mentioned this before and we just a lot of times it ends up on spider topics and things and talking about some of the things i've seen on YouTube and good, bad, whatever. And we we're talking about the whole fact that, man, we have some of the most laid back spiders. And it's been a joke for years that I just have really good luck with them. But we we're talking the other day, I'm like, we must be doing something right here because they're all like that. Every species I've got, I have two HMACs that they're supposedly wackadoo. My HMACs are fine. Knock on wood. I probably, next time I go to rehouse them, they're going to go nuts. But we try to not just go, all right, everything's going fine. We try to break down what are we doing here that's making it different? What are we doing that's giving us a different result? And I think that's part of it, just giving them the extra space, giving them plenty of places to hide, recognizing, be opportunistic when you're doing you know, feedings and waterings and rehousing. Don't try to water the tarantula when it's standing directly over the water dish. 
Or you can use a trick that I've used before where you take a spray bottle and you gently spray behind the spider. Usually the first spray, it'll react. It'll turn around spraying and try to attack it. After that, it usually recognizes it's water, rain shower, and they will move away. So you can use the water to kind of safely guide the tarantula away from the water dish, and then you can pick up the water dish. And granted, every once in a while, they'll attack the water dish. But in which case, if you're using like a plastic cup or something like that, I've done the multiple water dish things that keeps you out of harm's way. So if it's over, hovering over the water dish and the water dish needs to be changed or it's full or uh, full of dirt or it's empty, drop in another water dish, fill that one up, come back a little later, pull the other one out when you can. That's an easy way to do it. Avoids putting you in a situation where you're going to be fighting the spider for the water dish. As far as we housings are concerned for the defensive specimens, again, opportunistic, be opportunistic about it. If you know you've got one that you need to rehouse, have things ready and waiting because what'll happen, for example, I have two P or Nadas that I have to rehouse pretty soon and both of them have burrowed in their enclosures a bit. What I will try to do is catch them when they are out and about and cut them quickly before they have a chance to react so they don't burrow. I also have two P. rufaladas, they're getting quite large. The largest is probably close to eight inches now. She just molted. And what I will do, they tend to hide behind their dirt curtains, behind the cork bark I have in there. I have to rehouse them. What I will do is as I'm getting ready to rehouse, I will take the enclosure down because it's one of the ones that's up high and put it in an area that's easy to access. Have that lid, uh, the other enclosure ready to go because sometimes they come out and they hang right on the side of the plastic of the, uh, I believe it's extra large critter keepers I have them in. So what I can do is easily carefully pop the lid and cup them before they even have a chance. So that way they don't have to dig. I don't have to worry about a, a spook spider. They'll scuttle for a second. They'll like do the little and then they usually calm right down because there's no airflow because of it. Slide the cardboard underneath. They're going right in the new enclosure. Simple and done. I'm not going to worry about filming it if that happens because in that case, it's more important to me to get this large spider and highly venomous spider into its new enclosure without having to go through the whole debacle of having it possibly bolt or become upset or throw up a threat posture, which I've been very lucky to not have with any of my pokies. So if you're thinking about rehousing, the opportunistic rehousing is the way to go. If you have a fossorial species, you may find that your fossorial species are up in the morning very early and they're up on top of the surface. I've seen this with a lot of mine. And if you go in with low light, and have your cup ready and carefully take the cover off. A lot of times you can cup them before they even go into their burrows. And I've done this a couple times. You know, I'm getting ready to go to school. I look and one of my spiders, I think I did it once with one of my H gigases. She was up top. I, she had some mold in the bottom of her enclosure. I had to rehouse her. And I had her, old, her new enclosure all set up. And I got up. I'm half asleep. But I look over and she's up on the surface. So I like carefully pop the top off put the cup over top her. She barely even moved, slid the cardboard underneath, moved her over to the new enclosure. Boom. Done before I even got dressed. It was awesome. Said so they're rehousing in the pajamas, but it worked great and it saved some stress and it avoided some of that defensiveness. So I think the point of this podcast is the fact that give I, with the defensive and the ones that people want to say they're aggressive, you want to give them their space. You want to be smart when working with them. It's not to say they can't be dangerous because honestly, nobody wants to be bit by an old world. I've seen the list of symptoms. I've read the bite reports. It sounds incredibly unpleasant. I consider myself a pretty tough dude. I have a pretty high pain threshold. I did contact sports for years, things of that nature. I grew up on a farm. You're constantly getting hurt. You're, I, was, I grew up in one of those families that you'd get hurt and they'd laugh. Like we were kind of sick that way. Like, everybody, ah, but they, I, your mom was legit. Mom was legitimately concerned and she'd make sure you're okay. But 
but sometimes like they'd look at you and they'd go, ah, you're okay. And it'd be spurting blood and they'd be like, ah, just, we'll put a little bandaid on it. Or my dad's used super glue before it. We, we had an interesting childhood and, but it made us tougher. So again, I, I don't want people to think I'm, I'm a baby with this, but I've read the bite reports. I don't want that. I don't need that kind of pain in my life. It's, it's not a status symbol. I'm not a type that's going to go around and brag to people. As a matter of fact, I think a part of my shtick is telling people that I've never been bitten, that you don't have to get bitten because I think that helps alleviate some fears about keeping these guys because a lot of people get into the hobby and they think they're going to get bit. A lot of people get into the hobby by watching videos that show spiders that aren't what I see in my collection. There are spiders that are rather wound up and defensive and they're slapping and they're burying their fangs and they're grabbing water dishes and they're attacking water and they're attacking moss and they're running out of their enclosures and then they go, oh, I want to get in the hobby, but my gosh, these things can be scary. And it's sad because now you've drawn that person in. They want to get into the hobby, but I feel like they've been fed some misinformation because I'm sorry, they don't have to act like this. There are ways to avoid that type of behavior. There are ways to avoid being bit. So I spend a lot of time now trying to convince people you know, they're amazed when I tell them, knock on wood, that I haven't been bit. And usually the question isn't, have you been bit? The question is always, how many times have you been bit? And I have to go, never. And then it turns out, what? Never? No. How many close calls have you had? None. What? None? No, none. Because I exercise caution, because I managed to have a collection of spiders that are very well behaved overall. We've got our rehousings down pat, Billy and I. I mean, it's it's like well-honed machines when it comes down to rehousing. She knows how to react. I know how to react. I think we've only had to put down the camera twice, which I think speaks volumes about the fact that the spiders are, you know, they're behaving. They're doing exactly what we want them to do. So it doesn't have to be that way. So again, when talking about the quote unquote myth of the aggressive spider. And I think I'm going to do an article of this one. I actually already started penning some notes for it, which I probably should have had during this podcast, but I just flow better when I don't have a bunch of text to read in front of me. I want to cover this is like I did a series of tarantula myths or started a series of like tarantula myths. And this is a big one, the aggressive tarantula. I think we need to get out of that mindset that they're aggressive. I think we need to be able to freely point out that when somebody has, and, and okay, I should probably a little caveat there. That is not to say people don't have tarantulas because I know there's probably people listening to this right now going, this jerk, I have this spider in a freaking 20 gallon long and it still comes at me. There are going to be the oddballs out there that are nasty. I've had people talk to me about formictopus that will chase them right, right out of the enclosure, even though they have plenty of room and a hide. So obviously there are going to be instances where we have animals that don't necessarily act the way we'd like them to that are a little more on the defensive side than say others. So let me make that very clear. If you're listening to this right now and you're like, you have one in a large enclosure, you have an OBT, you set it up semi-aboreally and the thing still comes out at you. I'm not discounting that. I'm just saying in most circumstances, you can limit the amount of things that could cause spider stress and lead to a defensive animal. You can do certain things that limit the possibility of them striking at you, getting a feeding response, getting a defensive response, if you act appropriately. That's the point of this one. So I guess the moral of the story is when you have the defensive old world species, you know, my advice would be to set them up with deep substrate, Make sure they have a hide. You can give them two hides. I've done that before. That works really well. Give them a choice of where they're going to go. If it's a burrowing species, make sure they can burrow. If, it, if, if it's a burrowing species and you choose to put it on shallow substrate, expect that it's going to web a lot and expect that you're going to have a much more defensive spider. Uh, feed before you do any of the maintenance. I encourage that. Now, again, some people will say, well, that encourages the feeding response. They're usually – spiders are ready to eat at the drop of a dime. They don't really – most of them – 
their feeding response is there regardless. So what I do is I give them a bunch of crickets, get them to the opposite side of the pen. You can even lure them over to the opposite side of the water dish by using the crickets. You can use some tongs, you know, get the crickets moving. They move over that side, give it to them. If they're hanging over the water dish, gently spraying behind them, usually will get them eventually move along so that you can pluck the water dish out safely and not have it grab the water dish from you. Obviously, again, always exceptions to this, the rule. I had somebody, young lady that uh, messaged me recently. She had a, she sent me a picture of the enclosure. It was a great setup with the Fauna Pelma Samani and the Afana Pelma Samani would stalk over the water dish and grab the water dish from her every time she tried to pull it out, which I found, she found adorable and she wasn't upset by it at all, but that's a situation where it's a little bit different. But most cases, you can get them away from the water dish and you can clean your water dish without any issues. If the water dish, if they're guarding the water dish, instead of getting into a power struggle or triggering some of that defensive behavior for trying to pull it out or the feeding response, just drop in another water dish to the opposite side of the tank, fill that one up and grab the other one out later. It's, it's very, very simple. And be opportunistic when you're rehousing. If you've got a spider that you are kind of worried about getting because it's burrowing or hiding in its burrow and you can catch it out and you know you can catch it out certain times a day prepare for it and try to grab it then you can do a very stress-free rehousing if you can catch these guys up in the surface unfortunately billy and i have had many rehousings we haven't taped not because we're trying to hide anything or not because they wouldn't make for good videos but because it was literally i put it on the kitchen table the spider was out i cupped it put it in the new enclosure it was in out of one enclosure into the other enclosure in 30 seconds and it was a nice safe rehousing and that's the way you want them to go down and again I'm not encouraging people out there to criticize anybody else that's keeping them differently. The point of bringing up the YouTube videos and the different ways of keeping them is because of the fact that it can be frustrating for me to try to explain my point and my reasoning behind it. When people aren't really listening to that, they're going by who has more viewers. That can be a little frustrating. Doesn't mean I want more viewers because I have more than enough right now to, the other day I sat down to do comments and I was there for about an hour and a half answering just comments from that day. So I'm totally fine with that. And again, I've mentioned it before that if it got too big, and I couldn't comment to each person or reply to each comment that I got. I don't think I'd want to do it. I feel too guilty and bad that people are taking the time to reach out and I'm not coming back and, and answering them. But I just, that's where it becomes a little tricky for those of us who have smaller channels or people, you know, I have a decent amount of people that have even smaller channels. It must be very frustrating to put out proper care these days and try to do a non-sensationalized tarantula husbandry video like look at this is just going to be how to take care of them no bolting spiders no spiders slapping at me and try to get those views but just know if you are doing those videos eventually people will gravitate toward them because they're going to get into the hobby they're going to learn more about them they're going to hear things that don't necessarily add up like they'll hear well this person does it this way but this person says this and this makes a lot of sense they start doing their research and then they'll find your channel so you know if you are one of the ones out there is putting out good content eventually you'll be rewarded and i think there's a lot of people out there now that are managing to marry the good content with awesome personalities and entertaining personalities which is going to be great because i know it's it's a running joke that uh, billy follows a lot of the social media i don't really follow the facebook groups very much but she's on a bunch of them and she's like oh they're talking about good transfer youtubers and your name came up and then we always laugh because somebody inevitably goes ah tom's a bit boring and i totally get it and i've had people like try to defend it like don't no I totally get it for people that aren't really into looking for information it can be boring if you're used to watching videos where stuff's going on it can be boring I totally get that and it's okay and it's I'm not going to change what I'm doing I'm not going to try to bring I've talked before about trying to bring more of my personality into it or you know I thought about it it's it's I enjoy what I'm doing I like what I'm doing what I'm doing right now is getting the information across and it's attracting people that I want to attract so I'm totally okay with that so this turned into a long one, but hopefully, you know, some people will chime in about the whole, you know, arguments over aggressive defensive tarantulas. I am, oh, 
cool thing. I am off for the summer now, so I think some people have already commented. I've been much more responsive with some of the stuff. YouTube video, I, I basically kept up with all my comments. I've been commenting on my Facebook page with the... the the podcast things I put up and I feel bad because I missed a couple weeks there when things were really hairy and I think I just like thumbs up or gave him a heart or whatever and I feel bad because I didn't respond so we'll try to get that going again with people because I, I really like people discussing these podcasts I don't like just being me talking constantly and people just going, oh, yep, he's absolutely right. I love when people discuss it. I've had people come up with, you know, different opinions. I've had people come up with just supporting my opinions, whatever it may be. It's, I love the discussion that comes along with it. So we'll try to keep that one going on my page and and get it back to where it was before. It was my fault. I think it kind of died down a bit because I wasn't showing up half the time because I didn't have the time. But yep, I'm on summer break. I'll be more responsive now. Hopefully I'm going to try to bank up some of these podcasts over the summer because it's a lot easier because I tend up the, the I tend to get up a lot earlier than the kids, which will give me more free time to get these done before everybody wakes up and it gets loud around here. So a lot of cool things going on. And uh, I guess that'll about do it for that one. So I apologize. This one turned in a little bit ranty, but it was something that was kind of bothering me because it's been popping up a lot lately. And I just, I get frustrated sometimes trying to convince people like, listen, Hey, I, I actually do know what I'm talking about here. I, I know you've heard different information, but I really know what I'm talking about. And I encourage people sometimes just look my name up on the internet, put Tom Moran spiders. You'll see, I've, I've been doing this for a little while. I, I have, I try to give good info, but, uh, the aggressive one's been coming up quite a bit lately. I think it's cause I've done a couple old world rehousings and I just would love to finally put that to bed and have people understand that you do have some control over what type of animal you get the temperament under most circumstances. So that'll about do it for this one. Uh, again, uh, you can find me on thomasbigspiders.com, the YouTube channel. Uh, for those of you who wanted to see an update, I meant to mention this as well. On the homeoma chilensis, I did the whole thing about how the one just molted and it was in terrible shape. Well, she's eaten five times since then. She's I just did a video featuring her and she's wandering all around. The only damage she's got to her from the molt is it looks like her two back legs are a little bent, a little crippled there, and she's still got the piece of skin stuck to her abdomen, but I'm trying to slowly loosen that up and it is starting to peel off. I just got to, every time I go in there with a, a paintbrush with some warm water and try to brush it over it, try to loosen up a bit, and I think as she puts on more size and her abdomen expands, it'll help kind of loosen it but she's doing great so if you want to see video of the girl you know it's there i encourage people to check it out otherwise uh, that'll about do it for this one and i will catch everybody next time